I'm Matt Pridemore, and welcome to The Franchise Maker. As someone who came from a middle-class family, I never knew it was possible to have this level of success. If someone like me can create wealth, then anyone can. The world of franchising is wide open and full of opportunity. I'm going to show you how you can change your life by owning and building a franchise and how simple it truly is. Not only will I give you the advice and tools to build on your own, but also will interview some of the most successful folks in franchising today to hear their story. Join me each week for The Franchise Maker. Great, great cigar. I love a good cigar. You are on board with Matt Pridemore, and I am the franchise builder, and I'm ready to help you. And uh, we have got an amazing lineup for you today. On the other end of this podcast is a beautiful face that you see on the other side, a handsome man there. Uh, this is Mr. Joe Brickman. He is, uh, he's a published author, Fixing Broken. He's former military. He's using that discipline to constantly challenge himself for the people and, to, you know, to make everybody around him better. And he's a business consultant. He's helped hundreds of companies, hundreds of people with uh, growing their life and making people better around him. That's part of what this podcast is all about. And you are on with us. And for the next half hour, 40 minutes, we're going to talk to you about his story, about some ways to grow totally immersing in the business and just the culture of what's going on to help make you better today. Again, it's Matt Pridemore, and I'm right here with Mr. Joe Brickman. Welcome, Mr. Joe Brickman. How are you, sir? Thanks, Matt. I'm good. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to hop on this podcast. Uh, you know, you're one of the people that ever since I really got into the business building space, uh, you know, we connected going back, what, like five, six years ago and, you know, yeah. really just... <laughs> watching everything play itself out, um, you know, seeing how things have gone. It's uh, it's an honor and uh, super excited to be here, excited for the next half hour. Well, we uh, we mentioned right at the beginning a book, and I do want to touch on that really quick because I think the title is so relevant for what we're going through today. Not only just business people, not only just business owners, but just everybody in general you know, we've had a lot going on in the last two or three years. And I think through some of the toughest times in those two or three years that, you know, the, the, the pandemic and everything else that, that we have had to deal with, it was you that, you know, you were fixing you at that point. And you've also helped so many others around you. You've helped me and we'll get into that in just a few minutes, but why write a book about it? And, you know, maybe take us back a little bit uh, to, to the beginning and, and what made you even want to write a book? For sure, man. Uh, yeah, you know, in the last three years, I want to say that I've had the most consistent, successful growth in both myself personally as well as in my business life. Uh, you know, a lot of things that I've been working on for a long time were slowly starting to to fall into place, and a lot of that was really because of the way that I went about things and the way that I had approached things and the consistency that I diligently kept working on to to be there both for myself and for my clients. And I felt that writing a book is something that very few people actually do. Everybody wants to write a book, but coming out and putting out a book and, you know, doing things like, I know you're writing that book right now. And, you know, just even discussing that, seeing how, you know, 
all of the little struggles that come in play when you're actually putting yourself on paper and knowing that once it's in print, you know, there's no way of ever pulling that back. Uh, there's a lot of trepidation to it and being able to put out my experiences in a way where, you know, someone can literally go and Google me and see who I am and what I'm still doing and where I still am. I think that number one, it gives people an, a massive amount of inspiration to, to know that it's possible so long as you set your mind to it. And number two, it gives me an opportunity in the marketplace to establish a sort of, uh, I guess I would say authority in a way of look like this is the reality of it. You know, there are so many people out there that go out and talk about, you know, transformational coaching and transformational this and, you know, work on yourself and do this. Uh, but a lot of those people, especially the people that we've seen, you and I, over the last five years, a lot of those people come and go. You know, not always are those people available, not always are those people consistent, not always do they do what they say. And putting something down in writing where, you know, the title of the book being Fixing Broken, I believe that most people have something inside of them that they do need to confront, that they do need to work through, whether it's a, a mindset limiting belief or it's actual trauma. And, you know, having the the courage to be able to own that and say, hey, look, I am going to fix my broken in order to be able to move on to the next thing. Uh, it is really, you know, the very first step that we have to take both as business owners and as individuals who continuously strive to grow. Uh, we have to acknowledge that in order to even be able to move on. And the book was built out as a roadmap. It's split up into four parts. Um, you know, the first part really is like how to train your mind and how to own your future. And then the second part is really talking about my experiences and how I went and got my mind together. Uh, you know, I share some things about what I did when I was homeless, how I started my first company. Um, you know, little tidbits like that. And then uh, another big thing that a lot of business owners and a lot of people struggle with is, is money management, because we were never really taught about that. And being able to come out in a way of authority saying, hey, listen, this is what works. This is what's been working for me, you know, to go from zero to 100, and then from 100 to two, and then from two to 250, and then from 350 and onwards, it's really a, a, a matter of building those levels. And if you don't build out that proper foundation, then you're not going to be able to get to the third part and the fourth part, you know, which is really building that out into a day-to-day -day life, into a schedule, and then really owning all of it and coming out there, you know, this, this phenomenal sort of pre presentation of a person, of a business. Because as business owners, we're constantly judged, not necessarily for who our business is, but also how we show up as individuals. And I'm a very big believer that a business is only as strong as its business owner. So if you as a business owner don't have that strength inside of you, don't have all of your own ducks in a row, then your business will never be straightened out because there will always be something that will come up that you'll have another reason as to why it's not working out. And it's very easy to come up with reasons. We have reasons on the news. We have reasons, you know, in family life. We have reasons in, in business every single day to not show up, to not do what we, you know, want to commit to. But at the end of the day, when we do show up and when we do do it consistently, it's just a matter of how long. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And being able to put that out in a book where, hey, this is a blueprint in order to be able to do that, uh, I feel like a lot of people have received it. You know, since we put it out in February of last year, I've sold over 2,500 copies. I haven't even done any marketing yet. So, you know, getting ready to launch out the, uh, the next version of it, a little more edited, a little cleaner, a little nicer presentation, uh, you know, and have that out hopefully mid to, uh, to late March. Nice. I love it. Um, and I think the, the really thing, the big thing for me is, you know, talking about the, the business side of, you know, you, when did the mind shift happen for you? You know, you, you were down, you were out, you were broken to a point. And 
Um, and then all of a sudden we see where you have, you started a business and you're growing that business and had a lot going for you. And for many people that might be reading your book or seeing your story, it seemed like kind of an overnight thing, but you know, the struggles that go on with getting that business going, uh, where, where did that come from? Where did the mindset shift happen? Um, that, that got you from, from that point A to point B of being broken to, to being, you know, seemingly, you know, on top of the world business-wise? For sure. Uh, so firstly, it's important to note that it wasn't just like a one thing. It wasn't something, you know, that popped up. Uh, this was, a, this is, this was, and it's going to continuously be a result of the work that I put in every single day. Uh, you know, the perfect way to sort of explain it is, is the way that the energies work in the world. You know, when you do a good deed, you don't necessarily know when it's going to come back to you, you know, putting good energy out there. There's, it's not like a bank account that you can go in and just withdraw, but at the same time, when you're least expecting it, you know, something, someone somewhere will show up for you and will be able to deliver, you know, beyond your wildest dreams. So I'm a very big believer of contribution and giving more than, you know, what I'm looking to take. And, you know, by showing up in a certain way of like thoroughly owning who you are, what your struggles are, it's, that's the very first step to doing that. It took me quite a few years to really own that, uh, you know, just to dig a little deep over here real quick uh, for some of the people that are listening. Uh, you know, I grew up in a, in a religious Jewish family, a Hasidic family in Brooklyn, New York. And I wasn't necessarily raised, you know, in a in an environment where, uh, you know, the whole secular world was actually relevant. Matter of fact, my entire education up until I was 18 uh, was only Hebrew religious studies. So I basically had no high school diploma, still have no high school diploma, have zero sort of formal education uh, other than really my life experiences. And, you know, you take uh, bringing being brought up in a, in a in an environment like that, you mix that together with sexual abuse, you mix that together with, you know, trauma going through the schooling system. Uh, you know, I was always that number one star student that they would show off to the people when people were to come. But at the same time, for lack of conformity, um, you know, I was always reprimanded, always disciplined, always written up. So it was this very, it was very hard for me because on the one hand, you know, it's like, hey, you got all these amazing accomplishments and achievements that you're working towards. Uh, you know, I studied the whole Talmud. Like this is a Hebrew book that was written in, in, in Aramaic that has zero relevance to today's life. Uh, and I completed it and I memorized it and I knew it back to back. But at the same time, you know, I would get like for things of not showing up on time or not being there or not being completely engaged. You know, I get barraged with with just, you know, verbal abuse and, and, and mental sort of, you know, games and things that they would try to do to get me to to conform. And, and it really didn't work. So, you know, having all of these little deep set beliefs from the age of 13 all the way to 18, uh, dealing with the trauma, you know, my dad was diagnosed with cancer when I was 14. So, you know, him working through all of that and me being the oldest of six kids, it, it made life really, really interesting, for lack of a better way to say it. And, you know, I can sit here and talk hours about everything that's gone through. But the main thing that we really want to touch on here is that notwithstanding all of that, my big focus was, hey, there's got to be something better than this. This is not what life is supposed to be. And then, Throughout going through that process of learning, you know, I my first apartment, I booked a one way ticket from the school that I was at in Montreal here to Miami. Uh, I had used the only credit card that I had. I basically maxed out my credit limit to be able to go and get an apartment. I come down here, I find out that the apartment doesn't even exist. And there was no recourse on that. So, you know, trying to figure all that out here in Miami, you know, ending up on the beach and really just trying to like make sense of everything. The last thing I wanted to do was to go back to all those people who said, oh, if you ever leave, you'll be back here in a week. 
uh, you know, because those people also believe that if I were to leave the system and if I wouldn't conform, then, you know, I'd either end up, you know, doing something under a bridge somewhere, uh, you know, or just not being able to make it and ending up coming back because this system really strongly believes that anybody who doesn't conform that leaves ends up coming back. Now, my biggest, biggest, biggest commitment to myself was that there is no way I was ever going to go back. And there was no way that I was ever going to give in to anything that was holding me. It was this force inside of me that I really just had to own, that I had to get comfortable with and say, hey, you know what, come hell or high water, we're going to keep going. Uh, you know, so when I was 18, uh, I was homeless on the beach here for a little bit and I learned sales. Uh, and I detailed all that in my book. Uh, thanks, Javier. Like that was a, a really... Um, interesting sort of experience learning how to do you know sales on the beach and stuff and I started working my way up but because of the fact that I had these traumas that I refused to confront and that I had these addictions that I, I refused to really own I basically ended up finding myself back on the beach not not less than 30 days later you know right back to square one and being on the beach for that long what I realized was that there are like certain people who are like the dons of the beach, sort of like you have in prison where there's like those two or three people that sort of run the cell block. Uh, not that anybody listening to this podcast may or may not know what, you know, what I'm talking about, but in prison, there's basically like the two or three people that run everything uh, that everybody sort of is in control of. And it's the same thing on the beach. And, you know, it hit me one day how, you know, like these people, they sit around, they do nothing, but they just collect money from people from their panhandling. They collect money from people who, you know, are doing sales and business and things like that on the beach. It's kind of like this little mafia thing. And I realized I was like, yo, these people, not only have they already gotten comfortable with the idea that they're never going to go anywhere, but they've actually established some sort of control in this area. You know, how low do you have to be at a point that not only are you never going anywhere, but now you're like the guy who runs the shit on the beach. Like that's kind of fucked up if you'll excuse, you know, my language. But like, if you think about it like that, it hit me one day and I was like, you know what? There is no way that I'm going to stay living in a car. There is no way that I'm going to continue doing these things. And having that level of extreme ownership to say, look, you know what? Come hell or high water, I'm going to figure this out. Uh, and that's really been the approach throughout every single business that I've had. You know, I've had three companies that I've built up to a point where we were doing over a million dollars in revenue. And every single one of those companies in some sort of way, be because of my naivete, was basically taken away from me. So, you know, every single time I had this opportunity to where I can turn around, I can beat myself up and I can say, you know what, screw it. It's never going to work. But at the same time, I knew that I was never going to be able to hold down a nine to five job and actually achieve all of the goals and dreams that I knew that I wanted for myself. So by looking at myself in the mirror and saying, Hey, look, you know, come hell or high water, I'm going to keep going and enlisting coaches and other people's help along the way, not being scared to ask for help when I needed it uh, is really how I got here today. Uh, you know, the last company that I did before I got into real estate was a home security company. Uh, that's how you and I actually met, uh, you know, right. sold you a security system, uh, one of my first clients. And ever since then, you know, it's really just been this, this constant grind of, of making things happen, no matter what comes up and, you know, seeing sort of how you're the same exact way, you know, five years ago when we did meet and when we had that initial conversation, you were talking to me about all these goals and dreams that you were in the process of accomplishing. And, you know, we basically said, Hey, like you and I, we're both going to keep this rolling until we both hit our goals and seeing, you know, how you went and how you did that. And you're literally living out your dreams. Uh, you know, friends like you are literally the reason why I keep going and why I keep pushing even on a day when things seem or feel unbearable, because it's not necessarily about today and it's not about yesterday. It's about where we will be one day after building and after growing and after continuously pushing ourselves and challenging our limits. 
That's a, that's a great sentiment and something that I you you took this down a road that I was hoping it would it would eventually go to because a lot of the people that are sitting there listening and watching right now on the podcast there are a lot of people that might still be working for a large organization or a company and they've got these hopes and these dreams of one day starting a business and one day getting into this thing you know for for whatever reasons they've got a vision of what that should be and I have always ascribed to the notion that good leaders are, you know, they, they learn from their mistakes, but great leaders learn from other people's mistakes. And, you know, I, one of the big reasons that I, I even started this podcast was to kind of talk about some of the mistakes that I made early on of, you know, number one, trying to do everything as I jumped into business and trying to be Mr. Everything to the business. Um, but I think, you know, as somebody is trying to get a, a business off the ground, you know, and the scalability and the foundation that you're trying to build, you know, could, could you maybe talk a little bit to, you know, maybe some of the things that you learned in, in one of the first businesses you went to, to now, you know, you're in real estate now and in your first year in real estate, you're, you know, you're part of production of $13 million in real estate. And I think that's just absolutely amazing. I've watched this happen with you, but you've also got, you've got a team around you and how important is that to make sure that that team and that foundation and something that you and I have literally just talked about, we went out to Vegas and did kind of our own mastermind for a couple of days and, and the consulting side, but some of those people that are sitting there right now and saying, how do I get started? How do I build a foundation? What are some mistakes that I need to avoid? Could you maybe talk to a little bit of that about what you learned and and where you're going for for your particular company now? For sure, for sure. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up, man. Uh, you know, a lot of people they think that it's impossible to grow unless you're completely on your own. And I want to introduce this concept over here. You know, it's called an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, where a lot of people who are working for other companies are actually working inside of their companies in a sense to continue and and help them grow and scale. Uh, you know, just because you're working for another company doesn't necessarily mean that you cannot be your own business owner. Just because you have someone else's name on the front door, it doesn't mean that you cannot be running and operating your own business. It, it, the, the idea here really, ultimately, for anybody that's looking to try and grow and start and, and create your own business, is you need to understand two things. Number one, do not try and start your own business, number one, by doing everything on your own, and then by jumping to just be able to say that you got your own company. Because running a company, running a business has a lot of expenses and has a lot of overhead and has a lot of you know challenges that you can't necessarily be prepared for coming right out to it. Things like contractual operating agreements, things like payroll, things like taxes, things like accounting, inventory management, uh, you know, all of the uh, setting employee expectations, uh, compliance. Uh, all of these, you know, systems, I can go on and on, you know, with the list that I have of 70 different things to take into account before you actually start your own company. And a lot of people just want to be able to say, yeah, I want to start my own company, but they're not necessarily willing to show up and do the work. You know, I wake up at 345 every single morning and I go to bed between 930 and 10 o'clock. And throughout the entire time that my day is running, it's 100% go. You know, I got these little uh, meals that here, I'll show you like these little meals that are, are packed in boxes. You know, 
that that's, that's how I do it. Like that's how I stay committed to my fitness goals. And that's why I stay committed overall to the commitments that I have, because it's really about creating systems and processes to be able to overcome that. Matt, you and I, we spoke about, you know, creating systems and processes and you see in just a short time, how it completely changes an organization. And before you do go out and start, you know, something on your own, or if you try to adopt something or adapt something from another company, it's extremely important to keep in mind that congruency is is such a big thing. And not just necessarily rushing to be able to say you got the company or, or, or hire the people or do the things. It's really the little pieces that make up the bigger picture. So, you know, just touching back on, on the idea of fixing broken, right, where you need to be a hundred percent open and honest with yourself where you are standing today as a person. Don't bullshit yourself into where you go and where you are right now, because there's no point. The only thing that you're going to end up doing is letting yourself down and letting the people around you who rely on you. Uh, and, and it doesn't create, you know, a good company atmosphere when you're not able to deliver on everything that you promised. So before you even get on to the point where you have a team, where you have other people that rely on you, you first need to get really, really clear with yourself. And my favorite way of doing that is taking a sheet of paper down and writing down all your goals and dreams. Because when you write your goals and dreams down on paper, it's impossible to forget them. And it's impossible to explain to yourself, oh, I meant this a different way and compromise. Because when you have something in writing, it's impossible to erase it, especially if you publish it. So that's why I'm a very big believer in putting things out into the open. You know, my social media pages are extremely active and there's a lot of big things going on on my social media. And the reason I do it, in addition to just inspiring other people, is also to keep myself accountable. Because if I go back to a post that I made last week and I didn't do it, how does that make me feel? How does that make me look? You know, everything that I do is being scrutinized by my potential clients and referral partners. So it's extremely important to have that sort of presentation where people see that not only are you calling your shots, but you're actually, you know, dribbling the ball all the way up to the basket and going through every defense in order to be able to actually put that shot in the hoop. And the struggles that a lot of people don't realize uh, is, is firstly just getting started. You know, when you get out there and you put your ideas out into the open, you're going to have so many people that are going to turn around and say, ah, oh, are you really sure? Do you think that you're for it? Do you think that you can do this? And, you know, my, my favorite quotes of like pretty much this whole year has been, if it's not God, if it's not Experian, it's not Equifax, and it's not somebody who I'm financially responsible for, their opinion does not matter because these people will come out there in order to be able to discourage you from actually growing to be better than they are. As much as people say that they support you, as much as people want you to grow, the first people that will try to destroy you are the people that are next to you, are the people that you know see you every other day or see you every day or hear about you or talk to you about other people. Because those people, as much as they're clapping you to climb up the mountain, you don't realize that sometimes they're actually clapping because they're hoping that you'll roll down and that you'll fall back down to the bottom with them and you'll keep them company because misery loves company. And one of the big things that we've been seeing over the last 24 months is what society can do when it comes to perpetuating misery and fear and doom and gloom. And people like us, we fight against that every single day. You know, I like to think that I had a yacht once upon a time that would be able to help me push up current but then the yacht broke down, then I had to get a rowboat, then I had to get a sailboat, and now I'm sitting here in this little dinghy raft, literally pedaling to work my way up because the current and the drafts just get so, so strong at any point in time because it's just people love to see other people win so long as you're not winning bigger than them. And having all that cool. cascade at one big time, it's very easy to get overwhelmed. 
because that's just how our brain works. Our brain is wired to protect us. Our brain is wired to to hold us back from putting ourselves in potential dangerous situations. And our brain, until you learn how to rewire and how to recontrol and reconfigure that gorgeous, amazing computer, it's very, very easy for the system to just shut down and auto lock you out because your brain is processing potential drama and potential trauma and a potential you know, pain. And we as human beings, we need to learn how to embrace the pain. One of the big things that that hit me when I was in the army was learning Krav Maga and working my way up through, you know, those different uh, ranks and those different belts. And in the beginning, every time someone would put a jab out of my face, I would duck it, you know, but instead my instructor taught me that when you get a jab, learn how to feed into it and learn how to push it away and then deliver your punch. Don't try and move away from it, move into the pain. There is a 100% chance that when putting yourself out there, somebody is going to try and shut you down. Somebody's going to try and say something. Your family will hurt you. You know, people that you never thought could do things to you like this will try and do things to you. But learning how to lean in to the pain, learning how to use that pain as fuel, and learning how to take everything that people throw at you and and really converting it, it's impossible that anything that comes my way is going to get me down because I learned how to laugh it off. I learned how to have fun with it. And I learned how to still keep going because I got that little checklist every single day of the things that I have to do before I even present myself to the public. It's so funny. You bring that up. Um, you know, growing up, you know, I was the guy that had the red hair. I was the guy that had the freckles. I was the guy that was a little bit overweight, those type things. And and so many things I would take home with me at the end of the day from school or whatever. And like, oh, my God, they laughed at me or, oh, my God, they did this. And and the, the crazy part was once I learned to kind of laugh at myself, it took everybody else's power away. There was no it's kind of like, you know, Eminem in, in his movie where he's like, hey, if I if I can laugh at myself, if I can talk about myself, I've taken I've taken everybody else's power away. You bring up a great point, and that has helped me to overcome many things in business that I never thought possible that could have broken me down. There are friends around me, there are family, there's all these other people that are around me that were laughing. Oh, you're not going to succeed with two stores. You're not going to succeed with four stores. You're not going to succeed at this this venture or this other venture. And yes, there there have been times that I have fallen down. I've, I've talked about it many times that, you know, we, we opened up a car lot and we went after that. We had fun with it. Ultimately, it did not succeed the way that my vision had it planned out. But I learned tons of lessons. And um, one of those big lessons comes right back to sales. And we talk about it all the time. Sales is everything in life to me. Uh, I think it, it revolves around, you know, uh, trying to sell your yourself to your, your girlfriend and, and try to pick her up or sell yourself to, you know, sell your ideas to a possible employee that might be coming on board or sell ideas to customers, to clients. Everything in life revolves around sales. And it's funny, something you brought up a few minutes ago was social media. And I had a a guy that wants to get into business. He wants to open his business. We were talking last week and I brought up the fact of social media. And I said, if you were looking to open your own business or like you just said a few minutes ago, you can make your own business from, from what you're in right now. You, you A business within a business type thing. You don't have to go out and open a totally new business. You just create your own organization within a business. Very good point there. But I was talking to him about building your brand, 
And to build your brand today, to me, 100% has to have social media involved. And I would like to hear your take on, you know, a little bit deeper on social media and building a brand on social media. You have done it. But, you know, if somebody was to ask you, you know, hey, I want to get into business, but I really don't want to do social media or I want to get into sales, but I really don't want to get into social media. That's just outside my comfort zone. What Mm -hmm. what what's your response on something like that? Sure. I mean, I literally start off by explaining to people what you're saying. You know, everything in life is a sale and a commission. This is just how life works. And with that, you need to understand that people hate to be sold. You know, we live in a day and age where the consumer is extremely educated. Someone walks into one of your furniture stores and they see a QR code or they see a barcode. What's the first thing they do? They open up their camera and they scan it. They open up their QR code and they Google it because they're trying to see a couple of things. They're trying to see is everything that the person that's trying to sell me this is true. And also, can I get it cheaper somewhere else? You know, and and for me, when I get out there and when I do things, uh, you know, with with potential clients and I go and I, I list properties, for instance, the number one thing that people say is I can get it cheaper somewhere else. And my answer is, yeah, 100%. You totally can. But are the people who are offering it for cheaper going to do everything that I am going to be able to do too? Here, let me show you, right? And a big thing for me when, when people turn around and they say, how do I know you're legit? My number one answer is Google me. You know, if anybody here is watching this podcast and you're trying to figure out who I am and what I do, literally Google my name, Joe Brickman, or Google the modern day agent, and it'll come right up. And you'll be able to see exactly who I am and what I do, because having that sort of clout of being able to come up on the first page, second page of Google, you know, or both of them together, what it does is people automatically establish that as legitimacy. People automatically give you that sense of, yo, this dude is legit because they can see who you are. You're not scared of sharing your things. People got to understand that the social, the mindset you need to have with social media, it ain't about you. It's not about what you have to share. It's about sharing things that relate to your potential customers. And this was something that we discussed, you know, when, when the managers at your, at, at your stores were working on putting things together, you know, which I believe that they've implemented. And if they're listening right now and they're not implementing it, they should know that there's an audit coming soon. So definitely make sure <laughs> that, you're, that you're implementing it because, you know, the way that you run your organization is on a, is on a checklist level. You do everything in a sense where things get broken down to checklists. And sometimes it feels like it's very tedious and it feels like you're just running through things kind of robotic. But at the same time, having the checklist is really what gives you that like idea of what you got to do. Because when you go back to it and you look at it in a week from now and you've overcame all the fears of what it would take to implement that checklist and you see how it works, you go, holy crap, why didn't I do this sooner? And it's the exact same thing when it comes to social media. Social media is built on three pillars. People want to see who you are, what you say you do, and then what you actually do and how you deliver. People want to see, if you want to break it down to one word, it's called consistency. And right after consistency, they want to see dependability. And right after dependability automatically comes reliability. So people being able to see that you're dependable, that you're reliable, and and that you actually come and you deliver on everything you say, it's the best and easiest free way to do it. Because getting out there on Facebook is free. You know, I run most of my business besides for the marketing that I do, all of my business is done on my personal profile. 
you know, I brought seven, I've done seven sales strictly just from my Facebook profile, you know, well over a million dollars worth of real estate transactions just from that. So if you want to go and you make the calculation, social media just in the last year has made me over 30 grand. So, you know, in the overall timeline of the last five years, well over a million dollars in commissions directly from Facebook. You and I met organically online and, you know, you went, you looked me up, you saw what I was about. And boom, you know, I made a commission from you selling you something without having to spend a dollar because I went out there and, and I just put myself out there online. So it's not necessarily, you know, I'm not expecting everybody to get to my level of openness and, and clarity, you know, as, as soon as you get on social media, most of the time, the people that you're with will try and bring you down right away because most people who are on your friends list right now, not you specifically, because you I know work on it, but a lot of people who are listening, uh, you know, most of the people who are on your friends list, the four or 500 friends that you have are your friends, your high school classmates, maybe some of your teachers, maybe your grandparents, maybe some random people that you know at the grocery store. All of those people ain't gonna help you grow. It's not how it works. You gotta go and you gotta find a community that you can plug into, that you can get support from. So for me, it was finding all these different communities of other entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs, and people who were going out and trying to crush it, and then just getting out there and openly sharing my struggles and saying, hey, this is what's going on. How does it, you know, how do you people get the help? And then I had 30, 40 people comment. We connected with those people. And now, you know, I'm consistently cycling through because I'm always at 5,000 friends, not because I'm chasing people, but because people send me requests from the information that I put out. If you're in a service-based business or if you sell products, like furniture or sex toys, like I did in the beginning, and you're out there sharing information about your product, not trying to sell, you're going to have people that are going to reach out to, they're going to say, Hey, I really loved what you did about this product. Can you answer some more questions for me? And usually if you're a good salesperson, you can take them straight from the educational stage to the transactional stage where they're able to go straight from getting all the answers to all their questions. How much weight can this bed support? What does this refrigerator look like? You know, how new is this furniture line? What's the warranty on it? All the way to, hey man, well, now that I answered all your questions, is there anything else that you need to know before we move forward, right? And most of the time the answer is, uh, actually, no, you've answered all my questions. Fantastic. Can I write up this bill of sale for you over here? And would you be available to take delivery in 48 hours? Because we guarantee a 48 hour delivery. And being able to set it up in a way where they come in from an education standpoint, you're the one who's in control. But if you're going to go out there and you're going to be like, hey, man, uh, I got to meet my sales quota and I need to sell two beds. You want beds. All of a sudden, you're going to now have to try and find a way to plug something into them that they don't necessarily need. But finding a way to educate people because people always have questions and finding a way to show that you're an expert in your specific stage, your specific space, it doesn't make a difference if you work inside of a store. I know that you have some people in your stores that are running full-blown operations all on their own. They don't rely on leads. They don't rely on you supplying them business. They just know everybody. And those are usually the rock star top sales guys because these, these people understand that running a company and owning a business has hundreds of thousands of dollars of liability and overhead. And being able to you know, give the business owner what they want, which is ultimately a high rate of production and a high rate of return, at the same time, it doesn't limit you on your income potential because the more value you bring to your organization and the more that you're proactive and the more that you show the organization that you're valuable, the organization will actually up your comp plan and want to keep you around. Not only that, if you're trying to get recruited from somewhere else and you go to the organization, you say, hey, this is what I'm being offered. Most of the time, they'll match it or beat it because they realize how valuable you are. But the problem is that in today's society, people have, have really gotten accustomed to just you know being entitled to certain things. 
And when you walk into an organization with that level of entitlement, the people who run these organizations, there's a reason why they are the one who is in charge, you know, in, in, a, in a hierarchy sort of level, business owners can't be the top of the hierarchy pole. It doesn't work because if you're all the way on top, you're never going to be able to look down and get in with all of the, the employees and the people that are working for you. Matter of fact, I don't even like the word employees. The word is team, you know, dealing with your team and anybody, and you can see this with all of the big companies, any big company that has tanked, the big reason is usually because they switched CEOs, they switched operators, and the CEO had a completely different vision without paying attention to what anybody had to say in the organization. They didn't never took anybody's feedback into place. They just had a bigger plan. And these types of people, they're not good leaders. And some of the best leaders that we have are people who have understand, understood and understand that in today's day and age, it doesn't make a difference what the title is on your business card or what your signature in your email says. What's important is the numbers. What's important is how do you show up? When do you show up? And are you reliable and dependable and consistent and make good on your word every single time you say you will? There are so many different ways to break that down. It's, it's funny you bring that up. You brought up value. And I think value is such a key term uh, in, in today's environment in that it, it's a two-way street. The, the company has to bring value to the team and the team has to bring value to the company. It literally goes back and forth. But you, you brought up a couple of other things within sales. And we, we talk about it's, you know, the, the sales pitch that used to happen, you know, in, in all stores back in, you know, the 90s and early 2000s. That's not what today's sales are. And you talked about educate and, you know, such a perfect term, because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, we're educating these these people when, the, you know, the customers and the clients and the potential clients as they walk into our stores, we're educating them. And then, like you said, it's bringing together that relationship. Like you are a relationship manager, you know, so that you've educated, you've been a relationship manager, but the key at the end is that close. And so many times people do, the, the sales associates, they do educate. And they do start to create a relationship and then they get scared and they say, I don't want to put that pressure on them. I, I don't. Well, I don't here's wanna, the thing, man. You know, it's not pressure not to cut you off over here, but I knew that that was coming because you're not the first person that mentioned that. But let me ask you a question, right? There is no pressure if you've educated, if you have showed exactly. them how you can so solve their problem and how you are the answer to all of their issues that they're coming to you with, then you're not putting any pressure. You're literally offering them the solution. And you're doing them a disservice by not asking for the sale because then they're going to go somewhere else. It's a complete disservice to the potential customer for you not to ask for the sale. If you have educated them, if you have built that relationship with them, that final step, go, you know, number one, go get your money. I mean, you know, I didn't feel bad when you when you messaged me, you know, that very first time and you said, hey, dude, it sounds like you need a, a security system. It sounds like you need this. Here's what I can do for you. And you built the relationship because you brought value to me that, you know, there, there were some pieces to that puzzle that I couldn't go online and just say, okay, this is what I need because I didn't know exactly what I needed until you explained it to me. And it's the same way, whether it's in cars or real estate or furniture or security and alarms, that's what business is. And it, it's, you know, I, I get so passionate. 
And uh, again, we are talking to the modern day agent, Mr. Joe Brickman. And like you said a few minutes ago, those three steps on social media, you have to be able to say who you are. If you don't even know who you are, you can't tell everybody else who you are. But then, you know, steps two and three, you've got to back up what you're saying you're doing. Are you really doing what you, you are saying that you're doing? And, you know, if not, they can go Google you. They can go see, you know, oh, that, that guy's not who he says he is. You're going to lose clients like that really quickly. And um, so, you know, be truthful, be honest, and, and push for that growth as it comes along. Um, so with everything that we have kind of covered, I would like to, you know, before we jump off of here, would like to hear, you know, what, what are your next steps? What are your next big goals? We've written down, you know, you, you took time two years ago to write down a goal of getting into real estate. And then because you had that contract, you wrote that contract down with yourself as a goal. You're hitting those goals now. What's your next play? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, as of right now, the play is really going to be to build out a team, uh, you know, and and to finish doing those final touches. Because as I grow in my business right now, my biggest value proposition to my clients, and that's something that a lot of people aren't really sure how to walk through in sales, you know, in terms of proposing value, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the big thing here is to give the client the opportunity to choose and the opportunity to decide. We're not telling them what they need. I never told you, hey, dude, I got to sell you, you know, a security system with eight cameras and, and, you know, five different things. Because if I turn around and I put all that on you and I made that decision, you would have been like, nah, dude, I'm not going to go and spend two grand on a system. Like, that's stupid. I can go get it somewhere else for cheaper. But what I did was I turned around. It's funny how we're going back to a conversation we had five years ago because uh, <laughs> there have been so many until then. But the idea is really that. I turn around and I say, hey, man, you know, what brought you into my store today? You know, what what are you looking for? And then you turn around and you say, well, you know, I've had other furniture. I've gotten furniture from Ashley Furniture and I really didn't like this. I really didn't like that. And I'm sitting here with my little notepad and I'm taking notes right onto everything that you're telling me. And then I turn around and I say, well, it sounds like you're looking for something that's got a good warranty, that's dependable, that's reliable and that's built well, that, uh, you know, it's actually really well manufactured and that we keep in stock. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And you're looking to get something within the next 24 to 48 hours because you're just moving into your apartment, right? And they go, yeah. And you go, awesome. That's fabulous. Here, let me go show you these two or three options that we can choose from, right? You walk them through that little process. You answer all their questions. Then the key point here is, is there anything else that I can do for you to answer any of your questions, right? And then you turn around and then you go, listen, other than a hailstorm or some crazy snowstorm happening in the next 48 hours, is there anything else that'll get in the way for you taking delivery of this bed by Tuesday? And most of the time people go, oh, uh, no, actually, you've answered all my questions, right? And assuming a sale, the only way that you can assume a sale is after you've already done your part of earning their trust and earning their work. And the way that I'm doing that over here is I'm actually working through a standard operating procedure uh, for more people on the team. You know, we have eight people right now that are running. There's three more in training. And it's a different type of team dynamic over here because it's not necessarily just about, you know, what's in it for me and how much money can I make? It's more about what other opportunities can I create for other people? And if there's anybody on here that's thinking about franchising or that's thinking about, you know, starting a company within another organization, I want you to understand one thing. The entire idea of franchising from the beginning was created by visionary people who wanted to give other people an opportunity to grow without having all of the liability. 
because a franchise is a proven concept. It's a concept that's opened in multiple places that's already successful. And the franchising get offsets a lot of the risk to a point that banks, if you have good credit and you have good income, banks will actually finance a lot of your franchise acquisition costs because you're buying into a franchise. Whereas buying in as a small business owner and going to a bank for a loan of a quarter million dollars, they're going to underwrite you as if you're trying to buy a house. Because not only that, even more, because that type of money in a business that's unproven and has no real backing behind, it's a lot harder to show up to. So if you've been thinking about you know franchising or opening up your own company, if franchising makes sense for you and you feel like that's where you want to go, it's actually a phenomenal idea. Because you have a lot of the overhead, a lot of the risk is actually taken care of. You're walking into a proven business model. And that's the big thing that I did here in real estate that I see myself doing in real estate. I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm just sharpening it. I'm just making it smoother. I'm making it bigger. I'm making it stronger. I'm switching out the engine that's running the wheel. Because at the end of the day, real estate is pretty simple. Everybody needs a house. Everybody needs a place to live. Some people rent, some people buy, some people buy in order to rent out to other people. Those are basically the three types of real estate. Learning how to communicate to an investor, which is a lot of what I'm doing right now. Learning how to communicate to an end buyer, which is something I'm doing as well. You know, we have 11 open active contracts right now with different clients. And I've served over 40 clients last year, just on the single family residential side, being able to do that, you need to have a process and a system in place. And you need to have a bigger understanding of what the greater goal is. There is no way that I can be here today doing what I do. If I didn't have a goal sheet in place for where I wanted to be in three and five years from now, it's impossible because something's going to come up. Something's going to happen. You know, this morning I've been having some crazy issues with my phone to a point that I just ordered a brand new phone and I'm waiting for it to get delivered. And that's it. Just going to move on because I don't have the time to sit here and to get upset about that. All the people who sit here and want to talk to you about what Trump did or about what, you know, the current president did or about what's going on. All these people, they just get stuck in things that don't matter to them. You know, I know you're a really big sports fan and I respect how much you love sports, but I also respect the fact that once the game is over, you're done. You're right back to business. You've enjoyed yourself exactly. and you're moved on. You know, you're not the type of guy to get on and spend hours talking about the sport game because you realize that it's a fun thing to watch, but at the same time, you're not getting paid. You're not making any money off of that. So with that, you know, you realize to, when to go in, when to go out, how to play it. And it's extremely important to have that balance. And you, my friend, I believe have mastered that real balance of going back and forth to things, which is why I was so excited to get on this podcast, because I know that, you know, with the book and with the podcast and with everything that's coming out in terms of building franchises, if there's anybody out there that's looking for someone who's been doing this for over 10 years, that has had multi-million dollar success to a point that you built an entire empire off of it, you're literally the person to go to because you have it all figured out. Well, I wouldn't say I've got it all figured out, but um, I can truly call you a friend. Um, you know, we, we both jumped at the chance last month to, to fly out to Vegas, do our own mastermind, just the two of us kind of going back and forth in business. Um, you have, have really understood the concept of consulting and, you know, the value. We talked about the value earlier, the value going back and forth between the two. I try to match, you know, we, we each try to match each other's levels to bring that value back and forth to each other, um, to help pushing each other. And that's, you know, it's, it's what's in our heart. It's what's in my heart, what's in your heart to help others. We have attained so many goals. We have written contracts down. We have achieved those goals and we want to see others succeed as well. And you're not going to find that very often in life where people, I would love to see someone come through and do better than I did. But like, like we said earlier, 
that's not that's not always the case. Many times it, it's completely opposite from that. But uh, we do have Mr. Joe Brickman. He has graciously stopped by. He's the author of Fixing Broken. Uh, he's got so many things going on in life, but you can Google the modern day agent. You can talk to him directly. Uh, talk to me if you need it. Would love to, to sit down again and talk more. But uh, I, I think this gets us to a really good place. And I can't thank you enough for stopping by today, Joe. And uh, can't, can't wait to return that value right back to you. And I'm sure we will talk very soon. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity, man. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir.